Master and ignition switches. On. Batteries and inverters. We'll start by turning on the alternate inverter and using it to test our batteries. Hello. Today, I have a special story I'd like to share with you. This was sent to me by a friend as it really stuck out to him due to its amazing humanity. This is a story of men, of war, and destruction. And most of all, it's about kindness. The title of this story is The Charlie Brown and Franz Stiegler Incident. Other places have referred to it as a fine example of aerial chivalry. For me, this is the story of Franz and Charles. Just a few days before Christmas in 1943, December 20th to be exact, Germany had been bombed to hell and halfway back to the Stone Age. A 21-year-old second lieutenant from Weston, West Virginia was part of the carpet bombing. This was in fact his first mission. His name was Charles, or Charlie. So, Charlie Brown. The squadron's goal was to hit an aircraft factory in northern Germany. Charles was at the helm of a B-17 flying fortress. They were called this due to the arsenal of defensive machine guns it had. This thing was incredible. This thing is why we won the war. to give the airplane so much firepower that it could defend itself on its way to and back from bombing raids without fighter escorts. The B-17 was a four-engine heavy bomber. It was developed by Boeing. It sports the iconic bubble ports for the gunners up on top, down below, in the front, and back. If you think about American bombers in World War II, this is the airplane you're thinking of. At the height of production, 350 of these monsters were being pumped out a month. They're, they are so much a part of the imaginative landscape when we think of World War II. So much so part of the consciousness that the scenes in Star Wars, when they're running away from the Empire, were modeled after war footage 
which had these planes. This particular bomber's designation was Ye Old Pub, and she was making her way to Bremen, Germany with her payload. As she was going on her way to deliver these bombs, German anti-aircraft batteries were laying in heavy fire to the bomber squadron. This might have been something from a German Flakverling 38 anti-aircraft gun or a German 88. As fate would have it though, a round of anti-aircraft munition exploded directly in front of the number two engine, taking it out completely. There was damage to engine number four on the left side of the aircraft as well. You can only imagine the absolute terror, the panic. The crew fell inside. I don't even like flying commercial. I mean, the sounds, the smells, knowing that your buddies are probably hit, some of them dead, some of them were dead. You're in the midst of this battle. There's explosions going on. They knew these planes were impressive, but slowing down over so much flak being fired upon, I think you'd have to feel like a wounded deer leaving a blood trail as you're losing velocity and the wolves are out. was forced to slow down as yeah it just didn't have the momentum yield pub was unable to keep up with the formation the damage done by the anti-aircraft rounds left the plane open to further attacks as German fighters were launched to stop the bombers from reaching their target <laughs> side of this plane. The wounded airplane was losing acceleration. Yield Pub had to fend off 15 German fighter planes. The gunners were able to down one of the German fighters who initially attacked as a group of eight attacking the squadron but of course they're gonna go after the weak ones. They're gonna see somebody's ailing, they're smoking, you know, finish them off. After that volley of of eight fighters came at them another seven joined the attack so take out a little bit of the problem but you know you're falling behind <laughs> the rest of the squadrons going I mean that's sinking feeling I mean quite literally you're, you're sinking you're, you're gonna be losing your uh, your altitude the tail gunner had been killed and four more inside were wounded including Charlie Brown himself he had bullet fragments in his right shoulder He's the commander. He's flying. The top turret was still functional. The hydraulic and oxygen systems had failed. So the air is getting thin. This led to a loss to a degree of consciousness. It's not entirely clear to me as Charlie relayed uh, his experiences. Mr. Brown was, was coming in and out, you know, passing, passing out, waking up. And uh, imagine that as you're... Uh, going in and out of consciousness and realizing where you are. 
things got worse as the plane went into a, a spiraling a spiral heading towards the ground and well sometimes in war strange things happen flowers bloom on the battlefield life persists as Mr. Brown recalls during interviews years after the fact these events are somewhat of a haze but as he tells it he was bleeding and he needed oxygen but as best as he can conjure during interviews he tells it as follows I either spiraled or spun and came out of the spin just above the ground my only conscious memory was of dodging trees I had nightmares for years and years about dodging buildings and then trees. I think the Germans thought that we had spun in and crashed. So clearly, you know, what we call PTSD today was affecting him. Uh, I can imagine the reliving those moments, even if it's just for a second, the way it affected this man's life. And to uh, digress and sort of go down that track for a moment, how many soldiers and how many wars you know they they carry the scars for for years later uh, you know these are human beings and often you know very common for the for the sake of of uh, disconnected people send them off to these missions and uh, the, the whole package is the whole human being their whole experience and uh, you know, they're, they're countrymen, they're fellow citizens, whatever you want to call it. And, well, I certainly have my thoughts about, about all that and what we do after, afterwards, sort of where I'm going with this. Back to the story, as it gets better. There's more here about his life and those involved. The Germans broke off their attack on Brown's B-17 to pursue other targets. It seems, and it would make sense, the Germans thought the bomber had crashed, as I said earlier. There's no further pursuit, and Mr. Brown and his co-pilot managed to get the plane flying level again at about a thousand feet, as best can be recollected. Heading towards the sea, the old pub flew past a German airfield. That's when Lieutenant Franz Stiegler, a fighter pilot himself, saw the ailing bomber from the ground while he was refueling. Franz was from Bavaria. He had began flying gliders at age 12 and was an instructor in the Luftwaffe, a skilled pilot for sure. He flew up flying fortress in his ME-109. Franz had just shot down two B-17s and got into the air to chase the old pub. As he got into the air, he saw a remarkable sight. As this plane, nose cone, the nose cone of the plane, pardon me, the nose cone of the plane was missing and there were several gaping holes in the fuselage. Franz could see crew members of the old pub giving triage and first aid to the wounded inside. He saw the guns were up 
meaning that they were unmanned, not a threat. At least in most of the stations, as he as he calls it. I saw his gunner lying in the back profusely bleeding, so I couldn't shoot. I tried to get him to land in Germany and he didn't react at all. So I figured, well, turn him to Sweden, because his airplane was so shut up. I never saw anything flying so shut up. Stigler continued to follow the American bomber, staying out of line of fire, but kept close. At a certain point, you just see people. They're no longer the enemy, or maybe you just see that they're defenseless. And your humanity is there. You just, you know, they're not a threat. I've got some stuff written here, but I'm just going to, you know, speak. And this is sort of why I'm telling you about this. The real human emotions, not the, um, you know, the training and the, uh, the command to kill. All that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, from time to time does fade away, and it did here. Stiegler did try to wave at Charlie Brown, indicating he should land or, or leave, you know, fly to Sweden. It was clear the bomber was not going to be in the air for too much longer, from from any, any, any expert or probably non-expert. They were so smashed. Brown looked over in bewilderment, but was resolute, and he was not going to land in enemy territory. So, Stiegler escorted him on his on his travels. It was clear Brown wasn't staying in Germany. Stiegler saluted as he was just about out of enemy territory. He peeled off and flew back to his base. So so Franz goes from enemy to sympathizer to escort in a brief period of time. Just, you know, just... Uh, I would imagine the whole encounter was a few minutes. But all these emotional changes that are going on, you know, that's what I see here. Franz never fired his guns. Charlie was able to return home due to this act of kindness. Some might say pity, and I think mercy is the right word. Somehow, on its last bit of fuel, and staying in one piece with some dead inside, and those that needed treatment, the old pub made it back to England, just barely, according to Brown. The plane was smoking, full of holes. The nine men inside were exhausted, terrified, and some of them were torn up from shrapnel and bullets. I mean, what a mess. What a... I mean... You know. Moving forward from there, that's, that, that is the human spirit. later the men reunited in fact there was an event in 1986 uh, Brown told this story somehow the men were uh, brought together over continents and decades and they gave interviews about the event and it's it's just one of those things that's bigger than the war bigger than the politicians the commanders bigger than the transfers of power that go on during war 
bullets, the machines that deliver them. I mean, the humanity. That's what's here. That's what I see, the compassion. I'm, uh, I'm glad my friend sent me this article because I, I wanted to tell you about it. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that this story exists, that this happened. Franz Stiegler and Charles Brown both died in 2008, just about eight months apart. One at age 92, one at age 87. Tough old guys. What's, uh, what's interesting is they called each other brothers after the war and, and best friends and went on fishing trips together. I can't get over the juxtaposition the the, the rising above I, I don't know if that's the word I want to use but, but all of that and, and I think there's more examples of stories like this in many wars and I'd like to be be able to tell them, talk about them hopefully do so in a compelling interesting way for you I think this is the stuff that's the, the real juice, you know. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I loved all the war stories and the sort of theatrical heroics, and it's certainly still something fascinating. But the the sweetness that can be found in stories like this is so great. And uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of people who've tried to tell their story. Um, Including, there's a, on YouTube, there's, there's a documentary that can be found. There's a book. Um, so for further reading, take a look at A Higher Call, An Incredible True Story of Combat and Chivalry in the War-Torn Skies of World War II by Adam Makos. I hope I said that right. Makos, M-A-K-O-S. He's got five stars. There's 4,250 customer reviews. I think other people have been as moved by this tale as I have because I don't see a lot of five-star reviews. That's all that I have to recount to you today. Thank you for your listening. Und als man ihm die Botschaft bracht, dass sein Herzliebchen im Sterben lag, Da ließ er all sein Hab und Gut und eilte seinem Herzliebchen zu. Da ließ er all sein Hab und Gut und eilte seinem Herzliebchen zu.